Welcome to Seven Skills for the Future podcast. My name is Emma Sue Prince, and this podcast is all about bringing seven key skills into your everyday life. And the skills are adaptability, critical thinking, empathy, integrity, being optimistic, being proactive, and being resilient. If we can all learn how to bring these skills into our daily lives and into our work, we are so much happier and it really does put us into the driving seat of our own lives. This season, I am interviewing amazing people, inspiring people, and today I am so delighted to be welcoming Gloria Abramoff to the podcast. Gloria is an incredible woman who has a long, long, long career at the BBC. She is a film producer and has worked on all sorts of projects. And she now works freelance and is busy creating a new well-being podcast for the BBC, working on bringing materials and films to schools that help primary school children get to grips with the workplace and um, speaking to people about their jobs and understanding their jobs. Um, And in this interview, we talk about all kinds of things, but some really interesting stuff around how she recruits people because she has to recruit teams for her projects. And she doesn't go by CVs at all. She goes by how people behave. And that is so intriguing and interesting because it's all about how they treat other people, um, manners, Everything for Gloria is about networking and is about the relationships that you have. And so she talks quite a bit about that. Fantastic interview, fantastic lady, and I'm sure you're going to really enjoy it. I'm delighted to be welcoming Gloria Abramoff to our show today. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Pleasure. So, Gloria, you do lots of different things. Could you just tell us a little sample of some of the things that you're working on and some of the things that you're doing? Um, so, I run a production company called Tonic Productions. We've been operating for probably the last 10 years. Um, we make content. Uh, primarily for the BBC, but also for global corporates and global ch- foundation stroke charities. So for the foundations and charities, we make films. Um, but for the BBC, uh, who are our main client, um, we make podcasts. So at the moment, I'm, um, I'm the series editor of a 10-part series called All Hell Kale, which is sort of a gonzo journalistic look at the health and wellness industry. Mm. Um, That's going to be published in January. That's our second series. Um, I'm also execing, which means I'm the executive producer of um, a four-part series in Mexico and Poland, where we're looking at how Me Too has had any impact in either of those countries. Both those countries are quite strict Catholic countries. Mm. Um, and whether whether when women become a lot more empowered or their roles develop and change, how that impacts on men. This is the second time we've done that. We, we did the same in Lagos, Delhi and North Carolina last year. 
documentary has gone on the World Service, the BBC World Service in January. Tight mm. turnaround, going mm. to Mexico in a few weeks' time. I'm not going, the team are going. Mm. Um, and then we're making a one hour documentary, uh, for, for, again, for BBC World Service on. Uh, stories of purpose and whether companies have a social purpose mm -hmm. and should companies have a social purpose and what does that mean so those are the kind of media things that mm -hmm. I'm doing alongside that the project that I'm most keen on at the moment but don't tell <laughs> my colleagues um, is a project called Loud um, sort of an acronym for Live Out to Your Dreams which is a pilot project commissioned by the Department of Education we're making films for Key Stage 2 primary school children to give them a sense of the relationship between the curriculum and work mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember at school doing history and maths badly English and having no idea why I was doing this um, so we're making, it's a pilot, mm -hmm. so we're making 20 films. Each film will have a child from the age of between 9 and 11 interviewing a young professional and interviewing a young professional in a job that they're particularly interested in, mm -hmm. you know, whether it be an astrophysicist, a vet, a plumber, um, a um, chef, a tree surgeon. Um, so... The reason why we're doing this is they are, they're aspirational, mm -hmm. they're arguably egalitarian, in the sense that if a child in Scunthorpe, as an example, comes from a family where three generations haven't worked, mm -hmm. even the concept of working is anathema. Mm -hmm. So the chance of him or her, and you know, I hate to talk in a kind of homogenous way, but let's just stick with that example. Mm. The chances of him and her being inspired to do anything are very unlikely. And that's often because they're not even shown the opportunity. Yes. They don't mm. even know. Mm -hmm. So we are making films to show the range of work opportunities, but not just work. It's about something that you're, you know, your passion. Um, it's about you know the seven essential skills, or you know for for, for skills builder, it's the eight essential yes. skills. Yes. Um, very topical. Very topical. <laughs> yeah. Very much of the moment. And thank God, mm. quite frankly, mm. um, it's. So within the within the films and then the supporting teachers' mm -hmm. notes and discover and do sheets, we'll be developing those skills and, and the conversations that teachers mm -hmm. and parents should be having with children. Um, you know, just sort of going back to skills, what's really interesting is that me as an employer, so I employ production teams. Yeah. I um, I employ several production teams. So I'm employing producers, researchers, mm. um, artists, um, journalists, broadcasters, on-air talent, off-air talent, mm. writers. So you know I specialise in the creative industries. Um, but I have always been the slightly unusual employer in terms of, because of my own experience, mm -hmm. that I don't even really look at CVs. So um, I'm just not interested in an Oxbridge first. Um, and a lot of times I'm not interested in the rhetoric that you mm -hmm. read 
in on CVs. So what do you what do you look for? Um, oh gosh, this is <laughs> so random. I just go on instinct. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I think I think I have the right to do that now in terms of my experience. Mm-hmm. But I I've always done that. Um, I don't look for somebody who mirrors me. Um, mm. I look for because I'm often appointing a team, mm-hmm. so I'm looking for complementary skills. Um, I've screwed up terribly in the past because I can be seduced by warmth and kindness and charm. So I've learnt <laughs> um, not to be seduced by that. Um, but I'm looking for um, I'm looking for listening. I'm looking for manners. You know, I expect people after they've seen me to write to me and say thank you for seeing me Mm. and I place that's a sort of a metaphor really but I place a lot of emphasis on how people behave Mm. not what they say I could easily say to somebody I love you or I hate you meaningless how I behave towards them is far more important Mm. so I um, I place a lot of emphasis on behaviour and also, I tend to give people a month's probation mm-hmm. so I can observe. We can't always do that because you might just be in a three-month production so you haven't got yeah. time. Yeah. But if it's a long production... Mm-hmm. So recently, sadly, I had to let somebody go in the middle of a production because it just wasn't working. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think... I was seduced by, I want to give this person a leg up, I want to help them, they're young, they're a millennial, Mm. they're our target group Mm. Mm. in the um, All Hell Cow podcast that we're doing, the health and wellness one I was telling Mm -hmm. you about. That was a mistake on my part Mm -hmm. because sometimes you don't have the budget or the time to help develop somebody if you're going to do that you've got to put real good systems in place Mm -hmm. and you can't set people up to fail Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I think I sort of failed there Mm -hmm. so yes um, and you were talking about uh, warmth and kindness and being seduced by that Um, so uh, can you say a little bit more about that because if somebody is warm and generous and shows empathy does that not indicate um, ability to listen and manners as well or how does that fit together in the work that I do so much of it is how you conduct relationships mm-hmm. so um, because you're interviewing people you are um, trying to encourage people to be interviewed you're encouraging people to tell you their story Mm -hmm. you're Mm -hmm. encouraging people to be quite candid you're encouraging people to open up and be authentic so how you get to that point Mm -hmm. and how you behave towards them is really important so just in terms of the kind of people that we're getting to be on the program okay Mm -hmm. so how you behave towards that, how you make that phone call, how you Mm -hmm. write that email, how you record them Mm -hmm. in the way that you are with me today is really important. Mm -hmm. What's also important is how you sell your programme idea. So, um, 
So your the relationship with the commissioners is really important. So relationship management mm. for me is sort of key yeah. in so much of what we do. Mm. Um, I remember when I was at the BBC, uh, and I was at the BBC for thirty years as a senior manager. Although I trained as a social worker. Long story how I ended up at the BBC, but I ended up at the BBC because. I specialised in community work and I thought that, this is like in the late 70s, I thought that by working at the BBC I could pick up a microphone and tell everybody to meet me at Trafalgar Square, <laughs> you know, and you know, there'd be some kind of community action that you know, I learned very quickly. Yeah. It's not what you do. But, I, but I, I could see quite early on that the media played a really important part mm. in social change. And for me, this is, you know, this is about a much fairer society. I still have that mm -hmm. uh, belief. I still have that passion. I still have that energy for that. Um, so, you know, I ended up at the BBC for 30 years. What I was going to say to you was, is that I'm talking about skills and warmth, empathy, behaviour. Um, those... Can they be learnt is arguable. Mm -hmm. Research skills, journalistic skills can be learnt. Yes. So, um, when I was at the BBC in the early 2000s, I was asked to run the BBC's Africa campaign across the whole of the nations and regions. So that's all the national radio stations, Radio Scotland, Radio Ulster, Radio Wales, all the 40 BBC local radio stations, all the regional TV services and all the online services at the time. Um, we And the, the BBC was doing an all-inclusive season on Africa mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. across BBC One and BBC Two, um, across all the platforms. My responsibility was the editorial content um, and cheerlead the campaign mm -hmm. across the whole of the nations and regions. Now, I didn't even know how many countries were in Africa. I had no idea about Africa. And I was going to, in three months' time, I was going to have to make decisions about editorial content. Now, I was able to do it because I could phone up the Ethiopian embassy and say, can I have an hour with the Ethiopian ambassador? I could phone the editor of The Economist and say, can I have some time with you? Mm. I, I had enough skills to know how I could start research, but for me, research is much more face-to-face. -face. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not that good at scanning and reading. I'm much better at asking questions mm -hmm. and learning that way. Mm -hmm. um, but in order to get to that place, you've got to have the skills to be able to get into somebody's diary and how you make that request mm -hmm. and how you subsequently behave is really important. Mm -hmm. So I've gotten in my career not through any kind of academic achievement. I failed miserably at school. I probably went to the wrong school. Um, I used to compete to be bottom because what's the point of being second to bottom? You might as well be bottom because then you're remembered. So you're either first or bottom and I was never going to make it first. <laughs> and you know, there are 100, mm -hmm. I went to a girls' grammar school. There were 139 in my year and I remember that because I used to compete to be 139. <laughs> really important. Um, so mm -hmm. I think 
I think my success, if I'm to talk about my success, and I think when you reach my age, you can actually say, yeah, I've done it. Definitely. Um, and yeah, I'm proud of it. Mm-hmm. And then what did I learn? But I think my success has got a lot to do with the fact that I came from a, an Oriental, Middle Eastern, huge loving family. I mean, mm-hmm. huge, thousands of cousins all over the world. Um, could travel anywhere, virtually anywhere in the world, and there'd be families I could stay with. But knowing that I was absolutely loved by mm-hmm. my by my family, um, and knowing that you're really loved gives you a lot of confidence. Um, but also, my family were very much about food and sharing mm-hmm. and partying and dancing, but conversation. And also, we weren't allowed to sulk we had to say what we were feeling. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of screaming and shouting and Mm -hmm. expressing. Um, And so I learned how to express what I was feeling. I learned how to ask. And I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. Um, I see too many people getting the ump Mm -hmm. and then sulking and me as their boss or their colleague having to try and work out what's going on Mm -hmm. when I just think you know I don't need this shit quite Mm -hmm. frankly Mm -hmm. sorry I don't need this (laughs) quite frankly um I won't I won't tolerate it for my own children so tell me what's going on tell me how you're feeling Mm -hmm. so that's what I mean about behavior yes so, you know, you might be a brilliant journalist, mm-hmm. but if you behave inappropriately and don't and don't sense the room, mm-hmm. I would find it quite difficult to work with you. But these skills are not taught. They're not taught. Uh, we, have to, we have to learn them, we have to figure them out. And also I think you need to observe behaviour. Mm-hmm. I've learned a lot by observing. I'm on, I remember when I left the BBC, um, what, at the BBC, you get lots and lots of feedback. People are very open to telling you what they think about you. And because it's a hierarchy, you have managers upon managers and managers. Mm-hmm. And even though I achieved quite a senior management status, I still had about four people above me. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, my, my direct line manager was very quick to tell me how I was doing, how I was behaving, how impactful I was, etc., etc. So I was very used to that. I was very mm-hmm. used to constant feedback. We used to do 360-degree feedbacks. We used to go on management courses, flash bridge, you know, it was just it was relentless. Then when I left the BBC, suddenly nobody's telling me anything. I'm not getting feedback for anybody because mm-hmm. before I set up the company, I worked as an individual freelancer. Yeah. So nobody's going to give me feedback. You know, you either you either do the job or you don't. Mm. Quite frankly, they haven't got time. You're an outside consultant. Until I started working for the Eden Project um, down in Cornwall, I was doing some work for them, and I got to know Tim Smith very well. Mm-hmm. So Tim Smith, who, who runs the Eden Project, and one, and I used to go to meetings with him, and and we were pitching for money from the big lottery and which we eventually won for the big lunch which we put together um 
And I remember once saying to him, we met at Paddington Station, we were going down, back down to Cornwall, and we were having a cup of tea in Paddington Station. And I was about two years out on the BBC by then. And I said to him, you know, I never get any feedback. I don't really know how I do, you know. Mm. What, what, how, how do you think I do as a consultant? And he said, you talk too much. <laughs> he said, you, you need to just sometimes just stand back mm. and listen and observe. Um, and and I learned a lot from that. Mm-hmm. I still find it difficult. Um, I am quite gobby. I've got an opinion <laughs> on most things. But uh, but what but what I learned from that is if you're not getting feedback, ask for it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important. And listen to what the person says. And I found that really helpful. Um, and, and it's, a, it's a skill that I don't completely embrace, but it's a skill I know is important. But it's a skill that I've passed on to my mm-hmm. children. Mm-hmm. And even when they're at school, I've got twins, they're now 26, a boy and a girl. And even when they were at school, I used to say to them, sometimes it's better just to sit and listen. Mm-hmm. You don't always have to make a contribution. Um, I find it difficult not to not to speak in meetings, and I know I have to be really quite quiet. Mm-hmm. It's that sort of sense of awareness of knowing when it's the right time to observe and when it's the right time to actually come forward and you know give your give what you want to say, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you mentioned earlier that you'd let somebody go. Did you did you tell them why? Did you yes. give them the feedback? Yeah, yeah. Um, this is something that I've only learned quite recently, actually. The woman I work for on Loud, mm-hmm. the woman called Johnny, Johnny Guest, an amazing woman. Um, and I've learned a lot from her. Um, and I think whatever stage in life you're at, be open to learning from people. Absolutely. And we were commissioning, we were looking for filmmakers to make these films for yes. us. Okay. Mm-hmm. We, we own the IP, we, we'd be credited, but we wanted a director. And uh, so I spoke to a few people and there was one director that I sort of liked, but I wasn't quite sure about. Um, and Johnny met him. And I mean, in the end, we decided not to go with him. And I didn't tell him why. I just said I made something up mm. because I knew that, that if I told him the truth, I would then spend weeks managing his ego. Oh. And I just didn't want to have the time. To, I didn't have the time to do that, and nor did I want to do that. Mm-hmm. So I just thought it'd be much easier just to come up with another story that would just mm-hmm. end it. Now, she actually told me I was wrong. Mm-hmm. And she said, Johnny actually said, you should have told him the truth because he needs to know why. And I said, yeah, but he's over 60. He's been around a long time. You know, I don't know if it's my job to teach him now. And she said, well, it is. And I heard that. So mm-hmm. when I had to let the researcher go, <clears throat> what I did was I... I saw her about a month earlier and said, look, I'm, I'm not sure whether things are working out. Um, I think you might might have taken on too much and I'm going to be observing you. So you just need to know. I said, you've got two weeks. And she said, will you give me three? And I said, OK, I'll give you three. So I was sort of watching and I was speaking to her team about what she was 
what what her work was like and what her ideas were like. And I knew they weren't happy with her, mm-hmm. but I thought that I could help develop her. Um, <clears throat> and it just wasn't working out. Mm-hmm. So I sent her an email and I said, I don't, I don't think this is working out and I think we need to have a conversation. Can you come in and see me in two days' time? Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is that I wanted her to think about what she wanted to say to me. I knew she'd be angry, mm-hmm. so I wanted to give her time to get over her anger, if at all. Um, and I wanted her to compose herself. Mm-hmm. Because even though I am prepared to hear everything, um, sometimes you've got to think about what you're going to say to me. Um, because it could have a long-term impact. Mm -hmm. The thing is that um, in my business, it's so much about networks and relationships and who you know. Mm -hmm. We're passing people on, passing information on. Now, if somebody is rude, angry, inappropriate with me, as much as I will understand where they're coming from, and often it's misdirected, Mm -hmm. and I'm prepared to accept that and understand that, and I've been through this many, many, many times. You know, I used to hire on-air talent, so when you're dealing with that level of ego, (laughs) and have to fire on-air talent, so totally get the, the the bruising of the ego, totally get the feeling of, of abandonment, totally get the feeling of rejection, get all that. But if somebody's really rude to me and inappropriate, it's then quite difficult for me to advocate for them mm-hmm. further down the line. Mm-hmm. So I always give people a few days to think about it so they mm-hmm. can just mm-hmm. manage their temperature. Mm-hmm. So by the time they get to see me over what is often a difficult situation, they've, they've thought mm. this through and they've also thought about how they're going to talk to me. That's a really good approach. I like yeah. that. So giving them an opportunity to reflect. Yes. Yeah. And then also what I said to her was, um, how do you want me to tell the team mm. that you're leaving? Mm. So what would you like me to say? Um, because she's starting out in the business and it's her reputation. Yes. And I don't want to damage her reputation. Mm. So it didn't work for me, mm. um, but it could possibly work for me in a year's time mm. when she's a bit more experienced. Yes. It could work for somebody else whose needs are very different. Yes. So I'm not in the business. I will not damage somebody's reputation. Mm. What's interesting, talking about reputations, is that the BBC recently appointed a senior commissioning editor in a particular department. I'm not going to give you any more information on that because I don't want to identify that person. But they, they're commissioning and what they're not doing is communicating. And when I saw him, he, I said to him, look, your communication is really bad. You're not telling us in time, whether you're interested in the material, we don't know. We're working with um, other partners. We need to know that. Mm. He said, I haven't got time. And I said, you know, your reputation will rise or fall 
just based on your communication. It doesn't matter yes. how brilliant your commissioning is, how brilliant your programmes are. Because so, people are going to go around shitbagging you mm, yeah. because you didn't reply to their email. So, mm. you know, mm. carry on as you are. But I'm just warning you that that's what happened. I said, and I am one of those people that is moaning, complaining about you. I said, so however good you might be on one level, your reputation is being really damaged on another level because you're, A, you're not affording me the respect that I think I should have after all these years. Just an email to say, thank you, yes, no, doesn't, and don't keep telling me you're really busy. Um, I am bored with hearing from people who say, I am really, really busy. Really, really. We're all really, really yes. busy. Yes. And you know, then give it some context. Mm. Be apologetic. Mm. Say, I'm in a studio for the next two weeks, therefore I can't. But just that, that, that line that people are now just saying with total drama about, I am so busy. Well, yeah, yes. we all are. Yes. Yes, I, I'm a great believer in, in, in every encounter with every person as much as possible. It's about leaving that encounter with, with a, a positive experience of, of you. Yeah, absolutely. And also, um, I think if you go into a meeting, I always say to people who come into a meeting, I think I said this to you when I first met you, was what do you want at the end of this? Yes. What, what do you want from me mm. um, at the end of this? And often at the end of the meeting, I'll say, did you get what you yes. wanted? <laughs> because um, neither of us are in the business of just having a cup of tea and just being nice. However lovely that is, <laughs> um, yes. it's, okay, what do you want from me? How can I help you? Have you mm. got it? Mm. If I can't help you... Um, let me see who else can. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really important, and I think we have a duty to support other people mm-hmm. in the industry. I do a lot of mentoring, as I probably told you, with young people. Yes. Now, that that's not purely altruistic. Um, I mean, none of this is purely altruistic. Um, the reason I do that is, A, it keeps me connected yes. to that age group, which is really important. Um, it, it keeps me up to date with very contemporary issues. Mm-hmm. It keeps me relevant. Um, and so, so on one level, I'm working with chief execs who are in their 60s and 70s and feel quite isolated. Um, mm-hmm. And therefore, they need to share with somebody mm-hmm. who doesn't have an agenda and is prepared to listen for, you know, £100 an hour, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the other level, I'm volunteering yes. to work with, you know, young kids who have come out of gangs who are, you know, looking at getting into the creative industries mm-hmm. and need and need an advocate, and need mm-hmm. a champion. Mm-hmm. Um, we all need champions. Yes. Gloria, thank you so much for coming onto the show. It's been there's been so many wonderful insights, so many different things that you've that you've talked about from your career and your work and dealing with people. Um, if our listeners want to find out more about you, where can they find you? Oh, they wouldn't want to. They don't need to. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, or, or about some of the projects that you um, that you because well, they're really I, interesting projects. I know they are, and you know, isn't it terrible? Um, because 
I don't take our website seriously. I don't take <laughs> my LinkedIn seriously. I don't do Facebook. I don't do Twitter. The other thing that I would I would ask people to listen to is All Hail Kale on BBC Sounds. All Hail Kale. on BBC Sounds when it's published at the beginning of January. Because I just think that's going to be such a great listen and I'm really proud of it. In terms of me... You know, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn, but um, do you know it's very it's very interesting because um, I think the other thing when you get older is that you know when when you've done a good piece of work or a bad piece of work or a not mm-hmm. so good piece of work. Mm-hmm. So I don't need people to tell me that was really good mm-hmm. or. And, or comment because I am my greatest critic mm-hmm. but also once I finish something I've done it I move on yes. and therefore I don't and also the other thing is that you know one of the reasons why I left the BBC is because A I I, I felt infantilised you, you, you reach a certain level and things get done for you mm-hmm. um, then not so now um, but also that you're at a certain level and you're surrounded by people who just say yes to you and mm-hmm. neither of those fit comfortably with me. So um, I tend to have a very low profile. That's, that's fine. We'll look out for the podcast, All Hell Kill, and hopefully we'll hear about all the exciting work that you're doing in the schools in due course. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Seven Skills for the Future podcast. You can find all of our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere where podcasts can be found. If you want to make sure that every new episode ends up on your phone, all you need to do is hit the subscribe button. And while you're there, why not give us a five-star review so more people can find out about the show? If you'd like to stay in touch or send in one of your questions for Emma Sue, then go to Unimenta on Twitter, 7Skills for the Future on Instagram, or at unimenta.com. We'd love to hear from you. And of course, there's the book, 7Skills for the Future, available at booksellers everywhere.